It's Friday. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Friday 10. How the hell did that happen? Hey, Cheesy. Hey. Yeah. 10? Wow. It's crazy. It's crazy. What are we listening to? We are listening to the Joe Jacksons out of Austin, Texas. And they are knocking it out of the park. See what I did there, Joe Jackson? Yeah, I got you. I love them. It's super solid sound, man. Setting the tone, cruising with the windows down, talking about our first cars today on the Friday oh, stream. This yeah. is perfect music. Let's welcome in Newbie. Well, actually, he was here for the original, but it just didn't make it in the show. We left him on the cutting room floor, the one, the only. It's Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, Chris. How's it going? I was so upset I ended up on the floor. Yeah, you know, it was just a lot going on that day, and I, I went back to the editing room and I said, cut anything that has Mike in it. You know, just cut it. Just cut it from the show, delete it. Just throw it in the recycle bin. Joe and I have met, so I'm sure this is going to get cut, too. <laughs> I edit this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's even worse. That's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> There's Drew. Hey, Drew, how you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing really good, because it's Friday. It's Friday. Every day's Friday. Last, but absolutely not least on our list there, is Elle and Alex. Hello, you two. Hey, hey. Hello. Hey, hey. So, Mike, uh, why don't you tell the uh, the people listening at home what you do over there at Linux Academy? I am a training architect at Linux Academy, and I do uh, Linux, containers, DevOps, whatever they ask me to do. I teach the courses. We were kind of talking about your cool setup last week on the show, and then we decided we got to get Mike on here. You've got like a really cool little studio setup out there. You're probably sitting cooler than I am right now in that setup. Um, I don't know. It needs some work. It needs some work on the air conditioning. It could be a little more efficient, I think. It always does. Yeah. I swear it always does. Well, you throw all those electronics in a room, and psh, that's what happens. I'm looking forward to hearing your first vehicle stories in a little bit. Getting there. Boy, right now, though, the thing that I've really discovered this week, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. Jeez, you and I were talking about this off air. Uh, people are buying the wrong potatoes these days. Absolutely wrong potatoes. It's an ethical decision, too. It really is. It comes down to, you know, really how you feel about the potatoes. It's, it really is an ethical decision. You know, we talk about free-range chickens and free-range cows, but I don't think we very often talk about free-range potatoes. And there's this bias because they're plants that we don't need to worry about their feelings. But I would argue that because they're plants and they don't have feelings, it's thus more important than ever that we worry about their feelings. Absolutely. I mean, people also think that fish don't have feelings. I mean, they couldn't be more wrong, really. Well, fish are, fish are the worst, bro. They're the worst. You know, they just shit where they live. They're the worst fish. Don't even get me started on fish. You know, we, that's the thing, is we care more about fish than we do potatoes, and that's the problem. And if people don't care to take the time to educate themselves about free-range potatoes, then I don't know where their moral compass is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, how many times have you gone into a grocery store and you see those sad potatoes all bagged up? Yeah, those farm-raised potatoes, gross. And they've got those little net bags around them. <laughs> That's no life for a potato. So, in potato, it's just, oh, man, it's the worst. So, anyways, um, really happy to announce that uh, we have a new sponsor. It's called GetPotato.com. And it's a uh, free-range potato delivery service. And uh, if you use our coupon code, FREERANGEPOTATOES, you can get 10% off your first order. So just go to getpotatoes.com, and uh, that's our first sponsor here. One of many now on the Friday stream, Free Range Potatoes. Do the right thing, people. Be a good person. Be a good person. <laughs> I don't know what the matter is with people anymore. I like this collection of crazy stories. Drew, did you find these crazy stories? Who found this collection of crazy stories from around the web? That might have been me. Oh, you did, Cheesy. What, you don't have enough going on with your house flooding right now? 
Yeah, I mean, I do have enough going on with my house flooding right now, uh, but it's been postponed. You you postponed the flooding for the show? Yeah, well, I mean, I postponed a lot of things for the show, right? Like, I postponed air conditioning, mm-hmm. right? I postponed my fish tank and my fish breathing oxygen, right? Sure, yeah, I do that, yeah. Um, so, sometimes you have to postpone emergency plumbing situations. So, that's what I'm doing. Have you ever been on the air while you're... Uh Wife was giving lab- was giving birth to, to your children? No. I, no, that's never happened. Hmm. Okay. It's got to be life-changing. <laughs> I'm in a mood today. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just in a mood today. Al, you're flooding out too, aren't you? Aren't you also struggling with like plumbing failures right now? <laughs> My water heater, and I kid you not, is a Russian submarine right now because it's held together with duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see that crazy video this week? Of the uh, Coast Guard that was boarding a uh, drug smuggling submarine and they jumped from their boat onto the submarine. Have you seen this video? I haven't. I have not. I want to know if he's wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> they do a lot of pointing. I didn't, because it's like a, uh, it's like a point of, um, it's like from their point of view, they're like, they're wearing like GoPros or something. <laughs> I don't actually know what they're wearing, but it's like a GoPro view. It's the most intense thing though, because they're, they're on these boats and they come up and they have to leap from their boat and they have to do it in a coordinated way. The U.S. Coast Guard has released dramatic video of a drug bust at sea. The high-speed chase took place in international waters in the eastern Pacific Ocean. During the chase, a member of the Coast Guard you see here jumped on the moving submarine and pounded on a hatch. Officials say inside were five suspected smugglers along with 17,000 pounds of cocaine. The Coast Guard says the estimated street value of the drugs is $232 million. And when you look at that video, Courtney Vito told me that's footage from just an action flick would have believed you but it is the real deal you would think it's video from an action flick because they they jump from the boat onto a submarine and then they they start pounding on the hatch like hey open up like who the hell would open up but then they do open up (laughs) and then they start pulling the guys out like (laughs) in the middle of the ocean is this like a surplus like used submarine or is this a custom built this is a thing now like 55-gallon drum submarine. When you build a wall, the drug smugglers build a submarine. And the guy that jumped onto it, was he like Steven Seagal? Did he have like like the long ponytail and like the... <laughs> He's real-world Steven Seagal, yeah. I think they missed the point of a submarine, though. <laughs> yeah, because they... <laughs> You're right. It's like you should go submerge and then disappear. <laughs> Why didn't they? You don't run along just under the surface of the water so the guy can jump on it. Yes, you know what I'd be doing is like, all right, jump on top, idiot. And then as soon as he jumps on, I'd be like, dive, dive. <laughs> Drug smugglers don't watch movies at all. Well, the carbon monoxide would build up inside of the sub. So maybe they can't submerge, you know? I'm, I'm guessing I'm guessing it's, it's pretty bad. I'm guessing like it's a really rough sub, right? It's not like um, very luxurious, let's say. And plus, I got to store that cocaine somewhere. You know, so they don't have a lot of room. I wonder if that's how the sub's powered. Just by a continuous coke high? <laughs> yes. There's just one guy shaking in the back. Yeah. With one swim fin sticking his leg out. Right, right. So everybody knows, like, in, in the U.S., there's the meme of the Florida man. You know, like, Florida man does X, Y, Z. I think pretty soon we're going to have Oregon man. Oregon's losing its, its, its marbles, man. <laughs> the Oregon man, man. The Oregon man who broke into a home and then dressed in a Christmas onesie, has been arrested. I'm not kidding. Um, according to reports, Ryan Douglas Bishop, who's 38 years old, <laughs> brought along his kitty cat named Spaghetti, who was dressed up in a cat shirt. <laughs> Spaghetti. I'm serious. Yes. The guy's cat name is Spaghetti. 
<laughs> and he broke into this home. And then when the homeowners returned on Sunday, they found the damaged belongings and some that weren't even theirs. He'd brought them with them. So he brought props? He did. But here's the worst part, guys. Here's the worst part. He's, he left the cat behind when he took off. And so when the homeowners got home, they witnessed the shirted spaghetti cat <laughs> coming out of the crawling space. <laughs> and then they thought, is there anybody else in there? So they called the police. The police arrive, and then Douglas comes out, dressed in a female Christmas onesie. I really, I wonder what attracted him to, you know, because I'm sure he had a choice of clothing. Right. What particularly attracted him to the onesie? Maybe, you know, had sparkles on it. And in the article, it also mentions that he, his cat Spaghetti had a shirt on too, which made me really wonder like, but what was on the kitty cat shirt? I love that of, out of all of this, what you question is his fashion sense. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, you go out rolling in Toronto, you ain't got time for complicated clothes. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to put on a whole bunch of layers. Just throw me a onesie, get the cat a t-shirt and let's go. Yeah. I mean, and it's special that it's not the holidays, too. So that makes it, that is what's kind of weird about this story is that, A, it's not the holidays. B, um, I mean, home robberies are normal, but bringing your kitty cat and dressing up, that's a little different. So I think Oregon's really trying. They're trying to, they're trying to outdo Florida Man, is what I think it is. And, you know, that's the definition of a cat burglar, when you bring your own cat. Doesn't get any better than that. All right, well, um, guys, we have a serious topic we got to talk about today. It's one of the reasons I think... uh, we need to do something that we don't normally bother with here on the show because safety first, everyone. We've always said that. And I think it's time we review our safety pamphlets when it comes to driving because we're all going to share the story of our very first vehicles. In the comings and goings of everyday existence, cars have become an everyday necessity. And nobody knows it so well as we drivers. For business, for family chores such as shopping, picking up the youngsters after school, and all manner of community activities. For the pursuit of pleasure in our leisure time, cars provide us a personal, a private transportation system. Today's quality cars are miracles of engineering precision, superbly styled. But the most important provisions depend on us, our attitudes and skills behind the wheel. We drivers are responsible for the quality of our behavior in handling our cars. So let's talk a little bit about that. Our first cars. Um, and some of us didn't necessarily have cars as our first vehicles. So I think we'll keep it open to anything that got us down the road. And Cheesy, you came up with this idea, so I thought we'd start with you. What was your, uh, what was your first vehicle? And, and um, what age were you when you got it? So I was 16, and, you know, and like, like many 16-year-olds. Um, I had like a Lambo poster on the wall and I thought that would be my first car. Right. <laughs> and of course, you know, whenever you're young like that and you're getting your first car at the time for me, it was like the, uh, the, the paper, like the, um, thrifty nickel or the American classifieds paper where I would look through and look at used cars and fantasize about wanting this one or that one, you know? Well, the day after my 16th birthday, my father I love, I love you, Dad. Uh, came home with probably the worst looking car possible. It was a 1983 Chevrolet Malibu. It was the four door version. Thankfully, it wasn't the wagon. It had a 308. I mean, it it, it ran pretty good when it ran. I guess <laughs> the, the windows you couldn't roll down. So back in the day, and, and anyone that 
drove a car that was from the eighties, probably had the little pop out windows where you could like pop out the little window in front to get the air to kind of direct from the highway back into you. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's all the back seat had. So it, I, I, my theory is that it was originally like a fleet cop car thing that it didn't have like uh, door handles in the back either. It was really weird. I don't know. It was a super strange car. Um, the guy that my dad got it from, he worked with, and the guy had done, it was his mother's car. Oh. And apparently at one point it had caught fire. Oh. And this guy decided he was going to rewire the whole car. Did it smell? Uh, I mean, no, the, the car itself didn't smell. It had been like reshot, repainted and everything. Uh, they had pulled the motor and everything out. But I guess instead of buying an entire new wiring harness for the vehicle, he just kind of used part of the existing one and added some of his own wires and stuff. So very often I'd get caught like at school with this doo-doo brown car that had a decent <laughs> little engine that would run pretty hard, you know, whenever it was running. But most often I would get to school and then my car wouldn't start because at somewhere I had an electrical issue. And every time I tracked one down, another one popped up. Um, so I had that car for, I don't know, about, a year and a half, two years, and um, probably 200 plus times I had friends come and jump my car so I could get to wherever I was going. Oh, man, that first that first kind of stuff there. Holy smokes, yeah. Yep, I have uh, I have been there with my vehicle. I've got a few stories, too. What about you, Alex? Do you, uh, do you have a first vehicle story you want to share with the class? I had, my first vehicle was a, a 1994 Ford Fiesta. Oh. It was an M-Reg in the UK. Horrible little boxy thing with a 1.1 liter engine. But you know what? I was at uni. It was in my, f I think it was just started my second year. It was just after I met Catherine, actually. So um, I was like a dog with two dicks trying to drive, around, drive my new girlfriend around in my new car. <laughs> Yeah, of course. That's a big. I think it's a big motivator for a lot of young men. <laughs> yeah, I paid three hundred pounds for this thing. Wow! And it had done, I think, about sixty thousand miles or something. By the time the engine seized up, which was why I got rid of it, about twenty thousand miles later, it needed a new clutch because uh, every time I accelerated, the clutch used to slip. <laughs> so a new clutch cost me more than the entire car. Um, also, when I went to buy it, uh, I went with a friend of mine called Ben, who was uh, best man at my wedding and same in reverse. Um, he and I were bros back in the day. And uh, we thought we were like Jeremy Clarkson and Richard Hammond, the two of us. I'll let you guess which one was which. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we turned up to this, uh, this car dealership in the um, outskirts of Manchester. We'd taken a taxi to get there and nearly died on the way because our cab driver ran through a red light, by the way. Ooh. I don't know why that stuck with me, but it did. And we turned up and we sort of test drove this car around. And uh, in the UK, you need to pay a road fund license before you can legally drive a vehicle on the road, like a, a tax disc. Now, to get that, you need to show proof of insurance and uh, a driving license. Mm. However, neither he nor I noticed that uh, the car was untaxed when we bought it. I mean, it was £300. What was I expecting? <laughs> and so we're driving this thing down the motorway over this massive bridge in Manchester, right by the Trafford Centre, if anybody knows it. Was it a private sale? It was a... It was a the seller was like, ha ha, kids. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. It was just some guy out of a trading unit in an industrial estate mm. uh, who had like 15, 20 cars on his front lot. But uh, anyway, we're driving down the motorway and I just remember, I'll forever remember this moment. We're, we're on this big bridge over the Manchester Ship Canal and Ben leans over to me and goes, Alex, 
where's the tax disc <laughs> and we're on the motorway and then we saw a police car go past us and we're just like oh my god we, you know we're gonna be in so much trouble at you know 19 or whatever we were but yeah that car man happy memories until some scallywags in manchester broke the windscreen and then tried to steal it and broke the steering column and then eventually uh i, I didn't put any oil in the engine so it seized up <laughs> That does have a tendency to happen, especially if it's leaking oil. Oh yeah, this thing. Like, if I drove it more than a thousand miles without putting some oil in the engine, it would. Uh, yeah, I, I, I had to top it up all the time. Yeah, so it wasn't like I was neglecting the engine. It just I didn't put enough in. Yeah, same with I. I basically was just buying oil all the time. It was, and my parking spot at home was a mess. Yeah, it's just things you wouldn't even get away with today. What about you, Alan? I'm curious to know what your uh, your early first vehicle was like. All right, y'all are going to laugh because I get to be the the other category. I didn't get my driver's license till I was way late in my 20s. So the first thing that got me around was I got to be the little girl who actually got a pony for Christmas. Wow, you rode around in a pony. That's your first vehicle, technically? My first thing that got me around, yeah, probably till I was well into 16 or 17 was this beautiful horse by the name of Alassane. And then I guess that would also mean that it was your responsibility to care for the pony? like. Oh, yeah. I'm, you know, back in my hometown, you could actually miss school if your horse was colicky when it was born because you had to take care of it, make sure it stood up. Um, so it was a full-time gig. You know, I was in charge of mucking stalls and making sure that he got the veterinarian care that he needed. And, you know, so we'd go and do chores and raise money to help, you know, pay for health care and it was. I remember it being really happy. I'm sure there were points that I was not a happy kid because of the amount of work. But you also have a bond with the animal, so there's that. But what do you? I'm not clear on what you do with the horse pony while you're at school. Do you? So you, you ride it to school, and then is there facilities? Well, no, we would take the school bus to school. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. It sounded like it sounded like you said you took it to school. I was like, wow. I'm picturing like a school with like a stable. I don't know what I'm picturing. <laughs> there are schools with stables here, um, and huge ag groups where you can actually have your horse or your cows or whatever it is that you're raising. So, what was the experience like being later on in adult life going for a driver's license? It was. I want to say nerve-wracking because it was embarrassing. Um, I didn't know how to drive. Like, I hadn't had that experience. I could drive a tractor, so it was kind of same, same, but different concept. Um, but I was, I wanted to say 22. I've been sitting here trying to think, and I actually went to driver's ed and had a teacher teach me how to drive with a bunch of, like, 16-year-old kids. So, but my insurance rates were great by the time I got my license. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was such a thing. I was so bitter about that when I was younger. Um, and your first vehicle, was it, uh, was it in rough shape or was it a decent car? What was that like? So I actually got to get, it was like a Nissan Sentra. I was the second user. I had like 20,000 miles on it. Hmm. So I didn't have a horrible experience. I'd, I'd had a lot of time to save up for it. <laughs> That's nice. Especially when you just... When you get to that stage, you probably just wanted something that could help you get to work and get stuff done and take care of chores and whatnot. You don't really want to have to deal with something that's breaking down constantly like a lot of our older cars were. Well, that is definitely a different path than probably the most of us. Um, I was a little bit later in getting uh, my license, too, but not quite that much. Uh, what about you, Drew? Um, so my dad bought his Mercury Sable, 93 Mercury Sable, um, nice, beautiful blue color to it from a corporate lease. And that became my car. So my dad could get himself a new car. Um, so that was, you know, right as I was learning to drive 15, 16. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's essentially, it's a Ford Taurus with a different body. 
is what the Mercury Sable was at those times. Right, right, right. And you're not going to you're not going to really like uh you're not going to kill yourself in that car cuz it's not it's not a bad car, but it's also not like a muscle car. It's not super fast, but it's not necessarily inefficient or bad on the mileage or anything like that either. It's not a bad starter car. No, it was great. Um but it did almost kill me. Well, not the car, but Oh, really? <laughs> Uh, I was driving, uh, this was when I lived in like South, South Charlotte, and uh, I was driving down uh, like a back road, and a police officer had pulled somebody over directly across the street from a stop sign, which they're not supposed to do. Of course, you know, the guy he's pulled over has his brights on, the cops has his brights on, and the, you know, the flashing lights, everything, so I couldn't see the stop sign. So even though I'd slowed down to like 25 which was like 10 under the speed limit, uh, blew right through the stop sign and saw one of those elect me signs in front of me. And I was like, oh, this road ends right here. And uh, it, it tees off. Whoa. The, the car caught air going off the embankment. <gasps> and I blacked out. Um, the right side rear view mirror was taken off by a tree. So that's how close I came to hitting a tree. I ended up being okay. Uh, mostly unhurt because those airbags, you know, definitely deployed. Good. Hit me like a ton of bricks, but... The car was wrecked. Oh, big time. Yeah. How did the folks handle that? Um, I mean, they totally understood because it wasn't exactly my fault. Uh, it's illegal for people to be pulled over right next to something like that for a reason. Ah, uh, so did things work out favorably as far as insurance and whatnot? Yeah. Man, I got... Any any kind of situation I got as a kid, I got so screwed by the by everything. I'll have to sh- I'll tell my story in a moment, but that's great. So, you didn't really get too injured, and you didn't really end up getting in that much trouble. Did you get a new car? I did. Uh, after that, I got a '96 Thunderbird. <laughs> just like the worst years for the Thunderbird, but yeah. you know, I mean, it was just as dependable as uh, as the Sable. It's a bit of a boat though compared to the Sable. Those are those are big cars, kind of like the Cougars at the same time. Oh, Sable was too. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay, Mike, I'd love to hear your first vehicle story. Um, I started driving at 14, license not required, and I drove a 1972 BMW R75 motorcycle. A BMW bike? Yeah, they're affectionately known as a toaster because the sides of the gas tank had chrome plates on them, and it looked like someone had set a toaster right on the front of the motorcycle. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like it would burn your legs from the sunshine, too. Um, yeah, yeah. And if you got a good one, the chrome was still chrome. I did not have a good one. <laughs> now, uh, how precious of a bike was this? I mean, was this something you could take out and beat up, or is it something that you coveted? So imagine a 14-year-old that has a BMW. It was not. I coveted it, but it was not something that was in pristine condition. I drove the heck out of it, though, man. I rode all over the state with it and got in a lot of trouble with it. That's kind of a, a bike. It's kind of a badass first vehicle. And your folks were okay with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. So it was a hand-me-down from my dad and, uh, the ability to, the ability to pull chicks. <laughs> Those are the best vehicles. The ones that get you in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the problem was that, so I didn't have a license. And by the time I finally went to get my license, I was actually banned in the state of California from having a motorcycle endorsement. Because of age, or did you do something in particular to offend California? So, there is a point at which you can achieve a speed on a motorcycle where the police vehicles in the state of California cannot catch you. 
Because mm, they're limited, or they're you're just going that fast. You just you're just going so fast they're not getting you. They're limited. Give me a rough idea. Uh, about 140, 150. <laughs> Police mustangs back in the day would only do about 120 before they became airborne. And so if you can exceed that speed, and by the time that I actually caught up with a police officer, I was so far out of town, they weren't going to send for a car. They had to catch me on a bike. And so they actually wrote me the ticket and I had to go in front of the judge with the speeding ticket for exceeding like 150. You're telling me like they swapped off to a bike, like they radioed a bike guy and they're like, we got to bring in you because we can't catch this guy. This bike guy finally catches you somehow. And all you get is a ticket and show up in court. Well, so you know the the five freeway between Los Angeles and the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. There's virtually nothing out there. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. I'm coming out of L.A. I'm coming down the hill, and I'm you know wide open. I think at that time I was on a Suzuki, but I was wide open coming down that hill. And we're out in the middle of the five freeway, in the middle of the California, San Joaquin Valley, middle of nowhere. We're probably 90 miles from the nearest substation, and a California Highway Patrol got dispatched from north of me to come south and try to catch me. And by that time, I'm low on gas, and you know I've already scared the, the bejesus out of me. So I'm kind of done, and he's like, look, we don't have time to get a car out here. I'm not waiting an hour and a half it'll take. So here's the ticket. Have fun in court, which I did not. I, I thought it was over 100, or you went straight to jail. Well, maybe that is how it is now, right? Well, no, so it's a felony stop. No, it, it is a felony in the state of California, and they're supposed to arrest you, but at that point, they can't get a vehicle out there. And so he just handed me the ticket and I got in front of the judge and the judge asked him why I just got a ticket. And he said, well, because we knew he'd show up to court and there was not another police vehicle other than that motorcycle within about an hour and a half's drive. So long story short, this sounds like a great place to to drive like a bat out of hell. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's picked up now. I don't think you can do it. No, no. And I don't know if you've been on the five freeway where you just touch the tops of the concrete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very scary. I, I go 60, 60 miles per hour, so that's what my RV does. <laughs> what car do you have again, Chris? Don't you have a GTI? Well, yeah, sometimes I'm in that car. That's true. Well, and I tell stories like that, and my wife is like, you will never have a motorcycle ever again. Yeah, I mean, you hit you know the wrong bump or something at that speed, and bye-bye, Mike. Oh, yeah, you're doped. We all do stupid things when we're kids, though. How old did you say you were, though? Were you a kid? <laughs> or was this? <laughs> oh, at that time, I was like 16, 17 years old. Yeah, I've, I've done some dumb things, that's for sure. Uh, my first car was, it was a grandma car. And I mean, it was, it was my great-grandma's car. And when she passed away, my family gave me, and I'm very, I'm very, very thankful for it, uh, her 1981 Buick Skylark. The only thing they didn't do with that Skylark is uh, they didn't bother building an engine that would hold together. So, uh, like some of you, I was constantly patching that thing, uh, filling it with oil, filling it with power steering fluid constantly. And um, let's just say I was was a new driver back in the day. When I first started taking that car out on the road, I didn't have my driver's license yet. My parents had left, and I'd missed the bus, and I thought, well, this is an opportunity for me to drive. (laughs) So I got in my car all by myself. When I was like 15 or 16, I didn't have my license yet because I didn't get my license a little bit later. And I got in that car and I drove it to school and I got out and I parked it far away from school so that way nobody from the school would see me driving. And I walked to school and I did school and I I thought, well, this is no problem because school gets out at three o'clock. Dad doesn't get home till five. So uh, I'll just jump in the old car, drive home, park it, and no one will be the wiser. No one will know. And that time, I would sometimes, and I think my parents knew, I'd take the car out and drive it like a block and then park it again just to keep it running until I got my license. And I had gotten pretty comfortable at driving by then. So uh, I jump in the old car, start driving home. Don't have my license yet. 
pull in the driveway and dad's truck's already there. He got off work early that day. What are the chances, right? Oh, shit. Yeah. So I park my car, grab my backpack, go inside, take my lunchbox out, put it on the counter, set my bag down, go upstairs and do his office. Dad, I drove my car today. I know. Why don't you go out there and mow the lawn? Once you're all done, we won't talk about it again. Don't do it again. <laughs> that was it. And I walked out of that room thinking, oh my God, I just avoided getting destroyed. <laughs> I thought I was done for. I thought he would take the car, take the keys. I would, I would be driving again forever. That was around the time that Angie and I had been starting to date too. And so I, like, like you, Alex, I was motivated to uh, actually start driving. So I think around 17, like towards almost 18, I went and got my, my driver's license and uh, started driving then. But then I got, soon after that, I got rear-ended. I was in trouble for it. I pull out onto a highway. I get up to about 45, 30 miles per hour, somewhere in that range. I wasn't watching specifically. And this lady didn't see me pull onto the highway because it, you know, it's a, it was a dark night and you pull out on the road. And she rear ends me. She runs right into me up onto my bumper. We get out of the car. And the first thing she says is, I am so sorry. I never saw you. But then this older couple pulled up behind us and said, oh, no, it was the kid's fault. It was the kid's fault. And so the cops like, okay, job done. All right. Well, here you go, kid. You're at fault for getting rear-ended. I just had the worst luck back then. Had the worst luck. And then I had to call up my dad again. Dad, I got an accident. I got rear-ended. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I just felt so bad. That little Skylark, though, ran and ran and ran until one day I was on an incline and I can't remember, I think like the e-brake had gone out or something like that. And I had it in neutral with the e-brake on and the, and the e-brake had just Basically, it would hold for a moment and then it would slip and the car started to slip and roll backwards. And I'm in the, I'm in the passenger seat, or I'm in the driver's seat. So I, I start pressing on the brakes, but it was electrics and the car was off and they, you know, you had to press really hard. So I start ramping down the brakes. But before I could get the car to stop with the driver's door open, because I was just in there like grabbing something out of the car and I don't know why I hadn't put it in park yet. The car rolls backwards and smashes the driver's door into a fire hydrant. Crunch. Door won't close anymore. So you can't go down the road. And the engine had just been leaking oil like crazy. It was leaking power steering fluid. The e-brake was out. Now I just crunched the door. So I called up my dad. <laughs> dad, <laughs> I just smashed my door. Can we go car shopping? And so I, I managed with his help. He came down and we managed to get the door closed. So that way we could take it down the road. <laughs> and then I crawled into the passenger side over the red plush seat because it was all it was a blue dark blue exterior and red plush interior oh yeah <laughs> drove it up to the dealership and just said take it i'll just take something else and i i bought myself like a i don't know a late or mid 90s mercury cougar because it was all that was on the market and or all that was they had that would work for me and it had a digital dash and electronic seat belts and that was nerdy enough for me <laughs> You were sold. You were sold after that. I drove around a cougar for a while. It sounds like your dad actually was pretty cool about the whole thing. Yeah, he was a bro each time. Was there was there a, enough damage after the rear end incident to where your dad you just replaced that you fixed that or did you just roll with it? Yeah, we just left it. Yep, yep, left it. Yeah, the dented bumper. You know, because she had basically she had just driven up onto my bumper. She had dented the uh, trunk a little bit, but it, the back then you had real metal bumpers. Oh, absolutely. Solid steel, yeah. Yeah, so it absorbed the bulk of the impact. And like, you know, I didn't care. I'm driving around my red plush. There was also one time, Andrew probably loved that I tell this story. There was one time we were driving down the road, and I don't know, Andrew and I were just being silly. We're doing like 50 miles per hour, and she thinks it'd be funny, it'd be a good prank to take the old gear shifter 
and take it from drive at 50 miles per hour and put it in old reverse. Oh, no. So we're doing 50 miles per hour, and she moves that old gear shifter into reverse. <laughs> Off. And I just coast to the side of the road, and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And Angela's like, oh, is that bad? Is that bad? I'm like, that's really bad. So I put it in park. And I go to start it, and it won't start. It just won't even try to turn. Like, nothing happens. And I sit there, no, shit, 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 what are we going to do? We're on the side of the road, side of a country road. This is before we had cell phones. So, you know, it didn't even, like, you couldn't just, like, pick up a phone and call somebody, right? So we're like, crap, what do we do? Uh, And I sit there, and I sit there, and I'm like, this is really bad. And one more time, I think to myself, and I turn the key. fires right up kind of shakes a little bit and then it's fine and i put it in drive and it's a clunk shift into drive and then we just start going like nothing ever happened they didn't really keep the car long enough after that that was the last couple of weeks of having that car that played a factor into getting rid of it (laughs) because i knew that had happened i'm sure i'm sure that car just just got crushed they're like no there's no bringing this car back to life guys oh man the next guy that sold that was like the matilda uh, car salesman putting sawdust in the in the transmission. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. I I thought that noise it made. I thought, well, we just we just destroyed the transmission on this thing. God, I, that had to be the worst sound possible. Just made this horrible revving noise. Jill, you're our you're our special guest from Linux Gamecast this week. Do you have a first vehicle story? <laughs> yeah, mine's really interesting because I'm actually half blind. <laughs> oh, tell me about this. So, yeah. So I'm blind in my left eye. So, you know, my doctors kept telling my parents, oh, she's probably not going to be able to drive. But um, I wanted to try. So my mom and dad got me a Chevy Nova, an eight-cylinder Chevy Nova. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was scary because I had never dri- driven a car. And that is not a good car to start you out on. <laughs> because <laughs> for one it has a lot of blind spots and i already was couldn't see well anyways and you literally have a blind spot right <laughs> literally yeah and um i did try i mean i i went through driver's training and uh you know did all that you know i i i i but i didn't pass so but i did try and I was determined to get my license, but they wouldn't give it to me. So, <laughs> and I felt unsafe because I, I did almost hit someone when I was training. Mm. And so I guess, you know what? My doctor had told my parents they didn't, he didn't know if I would ever drive. So I tried <laughs> and I even paid for my own car, which my mom ended up using later. <laughs> I was going to ask. So the car, the, st- the car still got put to good use. Yes. Yeah. It got a lot of love. It was well loved. We had it for like 10 years. And this is like back in 86, 1986. So <laughs> man, an eight cylinder starter car. I, I probably, I probably would have killed myself with that. Cause I managed to do enough damage with four cylinders. Oh yeah. You barely touch the pedal and woof, <laughs> you, you know, take off it and it, and it didn't have a good namesake. It wasn't, it was, uh, it wasn't a Chevy Nova, no go. It was a, it was a Chevy more powerful than anyone else, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, I'd love to hear the audiences too. You can go to fridaystream.com slash contact to send us in your stories. Speaking of stories, Elle, you may end up walking away from this weekend with quite a story. I hope so. I'm going to be participating in my first ever Capture the Flag, but this is going to be a little bit different. You know, most, I guess, traditional Capture the Flags are pre-planned, pre-compromised environments that you try to hack yourself into. 
And this weekend, I'm going to be participating in Trace Labs' real-world Capture the Flag, where we try to track down missing people. I, I didn't even know this was a thing. So you, I guess they must find volunteers that are willing to lose themselves, basically, and they hold up somewhere, and then it's up to you to find them? Nope. It's actual missing folks uh, from the national, what is it, uh, Missing and Exploited Children's Organization, as well as a few missing adults. Um, Some have been missing for many, many years, and their cases have gone cold. So Trace Labs, who was founded by a man by the name of Robert Sell, um, he is actually a professional track and search rescue individual who kind of goes out into the woods when someone gets lost. And he started thinking, well, what about all these cases that have gone cold? What can we do? So he holds these Capture the Flag events where we basically do OSINT, which is um, open source intelligence gathering of information. So you're not actually allowed to hack into anything. You basically have to go through, you know, dark web message boards, try to figure out, do they have a LinkedIn? Do they have, you know, a, a Facebook page where clues might be found because they're seen in the back of somebody else's photos? And um, as of this time, they were actually able to find one individual who unfortunately was deceased and another man who had simply decided to vanish and not tell his family. And they found him. And they did. Wow. This is amazing. Yeah, I was reading on their website, too. They say that one of the reasons why they discourage hacking as a way to like get information about people and, and want you to only use public sources of information is because in some cases that allows them to, they say, work with highly qualified people in certain authorities on these cases. And it keeps them sort of in the uh, white hat side of the of the camp, which means that they can interface with authorities and whatnot when they find people, when they actually do find people. What an incredible idea. Uh, and this is happening in your area? Um, so it's worldwide. Anyone can join in. There will be one that's an in-person event that will happen at Black, no, at DEF CON. But this one that's coming up that I'm going to be a part of is anyone in the world that wants to join in. I was going to say that one of the things that is really important on why we have to kind of just stay for public information is some of the people that we're trying to track down may have become involved with human trafficking. And there are a lot of snares, a lot of traps that you can kind of fall into that would probably expose your own IP or your own information for someone who doesn't want that individual to be found. Tracelabs.org. If you're listening to this and think, gosh, this is something kind of neat. It sounds like you could participate from anywhere. How do they organize and uh, primarily communicate during the event? So there is a Slack channel that is open and you'll get an invite once you register for the event. One of the things that I've watched and kind of seen is that even after the event is over, people stay dedicated and they keep looking and they keep hunting, trying to find these individuals. So just because the uh, competition's over doesn't mean the search is over. Do let us know how it goes. I mean, we're off next week because I'm in Montana, but when we get back, will will you let us know how it went and what you thought, what your impressions were and all that? Definitely. Hopefully I'll have some good news. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Check it out. Tracelabs.org. That's a really cool, that's a really cool, really cool initiative. What a great way to put people's uh, time and energy to something positive. All right. Now we only have one more bit of business before we wrap up today. It's time to give away some games and we have some new contestants. You know what time it is. Now that we have a newcomer on the show, we got to break him in by doing a little millionaire. Now, Mike, I have to warn you, these are general knowledge questions. We have not yet gotten the Linux-specific questions in there, because it turns out we have better things to do this week than 
put Linux questions in the game. But are you ready for the game of your life, sir? I am prepared. All right, Mike. This week, you'll be playing for Max in the chat room. If you win this game, Max walks away with some great keys that uh, Jill from the Linux Gamecast is supplying us. So stand by, Mike. Here we go. We're starting at $100, Mike. A real nice, easy one. Which is not a color of the United States flag? Black, white, red, or blue? I'm going to go with black. Final answer. Oh, breaking out the final answer already. Okay. We're going with a black. That is A, final answer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. I was, I'd be a little disappointed. There's a lot of flags down where you folk live. I'm just saying. All right, moving on. For $200, complete this phrase. April blank brings May flowers. April fools, April springtime, April sunshine, or April showers. I'm going to go with showers, final answer. Yeah, nice and confident on that one. I'm glad. Don't know, if, don't know if you guys get rain. Let's see here. Oh, you are correct, sir. Two hundred dollars in the bag. Moving right along, Mike. Doing great. Three hundred dollars. Due to superstition, what floor number is absent from many tall buildings? Thirteen, one, seven, or sixty-six. Uh, assuming we're talking about the United States, I'm going to say thirteen. Final answer. Oh, is it different in other places? All right. Uh, In China, they have a fear of odd numbers, so it could have been another answer. Let's find out, because you never know who submitted these questions. It is a worldwide audience. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, you got it. Of course you got it. (laughs) Moving right along, Mike. $500. What is typically used to remove pencil marks? Hydrosilic acid. An eraser? Whiteout? Or paint? Uh, an eraser. Final answer. <laughs> I don't know. That one's that one's tricky, Mike. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if we'll see if you got that one. Real shocker. You are correct, sir. All right. Now the questions get real. So now we're at the thousand dollar mark. If you win this one, you've at least locked in a thousand dollars. You'll walk away with a thousand dollars, and that may be all it takes for Max to be a winner. So for one thousand dollars in Roman numerals, X I V is equal to what number? 19, 55, 14, or 16? Uh, 14, final answer. Mmm, coming in confident. I, I don't know, because after they stopped making the Rocky movies, I lost track. So let's find out. Yeah, you got it. You got it. You got it. Good job, sir. I, I'm, I'm impressed. We're moving on now to $2,000. Abraham Lincoln said four score and blank years ago today. Five years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago, or 11 years ago? That was seven years ago, final answer. All right, let's see. Yeah, you got it. $2,000, moving on now to $4,000. Which of the following electronic components is used to generate sound? A resistor? A diode, a speaker, or a microphone? A speaker. Final answer. This one seems like it could almost be a trick question. It does. Yeah. All right. Speaker, though, you're good? 
Yeah, I'm good with that. Okay, here we go. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Well done. All right, for $8,000. Late author Samuel Longhorn Clements is better known as what pseudonym? Samuel Clements is better known by what pseudonym? Easy for me to say. Tom Sawyer, Lewis Carroll, Edgar Allan Poe, or Mark Twain? Uh, Samuel Clemens is Mark Twain. Final answer. Yeah. All right, let's see. Yeah, you got it. Anybody that's watched Star Trek The Next Generation knows that one. (laughs) All right, moving on to $16,000. What process does milk typically undergo to increase its shelf life? Pasteurization, aging, irradiation, or preservation? Uh, It is named after its inventor, Louis Pasteur, and the process is pasteurization. Final answer. All right. Yeah, that's right. All right. You're moving right along, doing fantastic. You are now at the 32,000 mark. You lock this in. You get this right. And no matter what happens after this, you've got at least $32,000. That's a really, really hard bar for anyone else to reach. So for $32,000, what radioactive gas is sometimes tested... When you purchase a home, carbon dioxide, radion, krypton, or hydrogen? Um, The answer is actually incorrectly pronounced, but it is radon gas, not radion gas. (laughs) Final answer. Are you sure it's not subspace radion gas? Oh, okay. It could be. It could be. That wasn't an option. (laughs) You just locked in $32,000. Very nicely done. Very nicely done. Doing it for Max. Doing it for Max and Chatter. Now, for $64,000, which of the following is not one of William Shakespeare's works? Romeo and Juliet, Odyssey, Macbeth, or Henry VI? Odyssey, final answer. Whoa, busting that out. All right, final answer it is. Submitting that to the computer. Computer, is it B? Odyssey. Yes, it is. <laughs> Yeah, you got $64,000 now. We're moving on to $125,000. We are now just a few away from the million. You might be our first millionaire. For $125,000, what airplane is currently flown by the Navy's Blue Angels? The F-22 Raptor. The F-A-18 Hornet. The F-15E Strike Eagle. Or the F-16 Fighting Falcon. You do have three lifelines. It is the F-A-18 Hornet. (laughs) All right. Final answer. Locking it in, computer, is it B, the F-18 Hornet? It is! $125,000 secured, moving on to $250,000. Which of the following is considered a semi-precious gemstone? A ruby? A sapphire? A topaz or a diamond? Topaz. Final answer. Oh, some confidence in that. All right, locking it in. Computer, is it C, topaz? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. $250,000. Approximately how long does it take for light from the sun to reach the earth? For $500,000, how long does it take for light from the sun to reach the earth? Five minutes, three minutes, eight minutes, 
or less than one minute. I think I'm going to use a lifeline here. All right. I think I'm going to phone a cheese. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Let's phone it cheesy. All right. Calling up Mr. Cheese Bacon right now. Hey, Cheesy. Hello. Hello. Hey there. Hi. Hey. Uh, hey. Hey, bro. How long does it take for Sun from the Light to reach the Earth? Five minutes, three minutes, eight minutes, less than a minute. You got 30 seconds. Go. Light from the Sun? You mean? That's right. To reach Earth? How many? Mm-hmm. What was the answers again? What were the answers? <laughs> Five minutes, three minutes, eight minutes, or less than a minute. I would say five to eight minutes. No. Light to travel from the sun. No. A, a minute? Final answer? Final answer. All right. Thanks, Cheesy. Okay, Mike. So he says less than a minute, which is option D. Your other options are five, three, and eight. Oh, let's see. 92 million miles, 186,000 feet per second per second. Um... I think I'm going to defy the cheese, and I'm going to go with eight minutes, solely based on the amount of time it took them to get messages back and forth in the movie The Martian, greatest movie ever. Final answer, eight (laughs) minutes, lock it in. I love it. I love it. It's based on The Martian. I can't argue with that logic. Computer, is it eight minutes? You got it. You got it. It is indeed... It is indeed. Now, for $1 million, you may win the game. The hormone epinephrine is more commonly known by what name? Insulin, prolactin, pheromones, or adrenaline? Adrenaline. Final answer. Lock it in. Wow. All right. Locking it in. Computer, is it adrenaline? You got it, buddy! One million dollars! Woo! That is... That is the first time this ever happened. Congratulations, Mike. You are the winner of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire right here on the Friday stream. Are you feeling good, Alex? I mean, that was a, that was a triumphant run there. I mean, that's <laughs> going to be hard to follow. Incredible. Wow! Mike, you, you did great. Stand by. Max will be getting his game. He'll be hearing from Byte. Jill's got some great games he can pick from. All right, Alex, let's get you going. Let's see if we can give away another game. For $100, who was the president of the United States from 1993 to 2001? Ask, ask Alex. Let's ask Alex this one. <laughs> I get some multiple choice answers, right? <laughs> you, you, do have, uh, you do have three lifelines, too. General Ford... Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter, or William Clinton? Oh, thank goodness. Whew. <sighs> I'm glad that option D came up. I think he was uh, getting jiggy in the Oval Office, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, you want to you do... Uh... I, think it's, I think it's Big Billy. All right. Final answer? Yeah. Yeah, buddy, you got it. Ooh. Yeah, I knew you had it. I knew you had it. All right, for $200, I just think it's pretty great that... Uh, we start with the United States trivia, right? <laughs> the foreigner gets the, uh, the U.S. president <laughs> question. For $200, how many disciples did Jesus specifically select? These are way harder than the questions Mike just got. 7, 12, 16, or 10. How many disciples 
did Jesus specifically select? What were the options again? <laughs> 7, 12, 16, and 10. I think it's B, 12. B, all right. You feeling good about that? You want a final answer? Final answer, not feeling good, but we'll see. <laughs> you got it. Whew. $200 in the bank. We're now moving on to $300. You're doing great. An old saying, A blank in time saves nine. A blank shot in time saves nine. A stroll in time saves nine. A snippet in time saves nine. Or a stitch in time saves nine. Shot, stroll, snippet, or stitch? Stitch. Final answer. D, final answer. All right. Submitting that in. Computer, is it indeed D? Yeah, you got it. $300. These are way harder, I swear. Moving on to $500. What is the name of the official residence of the President of the United States? White House, Greenhouse, Presidential House, or U.S. House? I think it's the White House. Final answer. Final answer. All right, all right, logging it in. No surprise there. You got it. Although these days it's probably a golf course. Oh, it's Mayor Lago. For $1,000, this at least will lock you in if you get this one right to $1,000. What kind of ship was the RMS Titanic? An oil tanker, a destroyer, a freighter, or a passenger liner? <laughs> uh, a passenger liner. Final answer. Surprise, surprise. All right, Alex. Okay, I'll take, I'll take those questions all day. <laughs> And you still got your three lifelines, too. Oh, true. You're doing great. For $2,000 during World War II, on which of these cities did the U.S. drop an atomic bomb? Godzilla, <laughs> Tokyo, Okinawa, or Hiroshima? Okay, it's not a funny subject, but... It's not. Godzilla. <laughs> Godzilla is not a city. <laughs> they threw you a curveball on that one. Uh, it's Hiroshima. Final answer. All right, locking that in. Computer D. Hiroshima... Yeah, you got it. Of course you got that one. All right, now moving on to $4,000. You're doing great, Alex. See, this is no problem. You might get to a million, too. <laughs> what is the most populous country in the world? The United States, India, China, or Russia? Oh, that's tough. It's either between China or India, I think. Hmm. Hmm. You do have uh, the lifelines. Let's go 50-50. All right. I will ask the computer to remove two wrong answers, and you are left with the United States and China. China, final answer. Yeah, all right, submitting that in there. Yeah, you got it. I'm glad it, I'm glad it took away India. <laughs> yeah, that did help, didn't it? For $8,000, what is the motto of the U.S. Marine Corps? Mea copa, carpe diem, magnum opus, sempre fedless? Semper Fidelis, final answer. Is it actually that, though? Semper Fidelis? I've heard it before, before. so I think so. Yeah? Okay. All right. Submitting that in there. Let's see. You got it. $16,000 now, Alex. Napoleon was the ruler of what country? Napoleon I. I should probably make that clarification. Was the ruler of which country? Spain, France, Italy, or England? He definitely wasn't English. <laughs> I'm going to go with France, final answer. Mmm, locking it in early, huh? I like it. It's bold. 
You got it. And now, just like that, we're at $32,000. See no bigs, $32,000. You get this right, you at least lock that in. So that's great. Manicures are done on what part of the body? For $32,000, feet, face, hands, or back? I don't think this is a trick question. It's hands. Final answer. All right. Submitting that in. Yeah. You got it. You just locked in $32,000. That right there is a hard echelon to get to. So now we're on the road to a million. For $64,000, who is the current U.S. Attorney General? Oh, no. I have no idea when these were submitted. Frederick Richardson, John Ashcroft, Lawrence Fishburne, or Clarence Thomas? Wasn't Lawrence Fishburne the guy in The Matrix? Yes. Now, to give you some historical context, this is a Java application (laughs) from many years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's William Barr at the moment. Because because this is an out-of-date question, I will I will grant you this is something to start doing. I will grant you an extra lifeline. Uh, you can you have you have phone it cheesy, ask the chat room, and I'll also throw in ask the host for this one. If you'd like to use one of those lifelines. I'll ask the host, please. <laughs> oh, okay. Alright. Now I'm not sure I know it, but um, I do know who's not. Definitely not the current US Attorney General, and that would be uh, Lawrence Fishburne or Frederick Richardson. Clarence Thomas, I think, is a name that's sticking out to us because it's a famous name, but I I don't think it's the Attorney General. I'm leaning towards Ashcroft, but I remember Ashcroft having more to do with finances than I do the U.S. Attorney. But it was a long time ago. I would probably lean towards B. Ashcroft with maybe I mean Clarence Thomas is just if it wasn't on the if I wasn't on the spot right now, I'd know who Clarence Thomas is, but I'm I'm drawing a blank. I, B is my is my best guess. That doesn't help at all. <laughs> cheese bacon. Cheese bacon. Let's phone a cheese. You want a phone you want a phone a cheesy? Alright. Let's phone a cheesy. Stand by for owning up the cheesy. Cheese bacon. Bloop, 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 bloop. Yeah, hey. What's going on, guys? Hey, thanks for being available. Mm-hmm. Um, who is the current US Attorney General? Frederick Richardson, John Ashcroft, Lawrence Fishburne, or Clarence Thomas? I am pretty positive that it's B. Ashcroft. Oh. Reno, uh, General Ashcroft and Janet Reno, weren't they in like the same, the same time period? It was the same era. Yeah. Same era. I think so. That's what I was thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm like 90% sure that it's Ashcroft. Okay. There you go. Okay. Thanks, Cheesy. Thanks, Cheesy. Okay, Alex, you've got, uh, you got two of us to say B. All right. Let's do it. B, final answer. How embarrassing is it going to be if this is wrong? How embarrassing is that going to be? All right, lock it in, Alex. You said final answer. I'm doing it. That's right. (laughs) I got it right. Yes, correct. How lucky. $125,000 now, Alex. Who would be the successor to the presidency after the president and the vice president? Secretary of State, Attorney General, President Pro Tempora, a.k.a. the Senate, or Speaker of the House. Boy, we're really testing that citizenship uh, membership now, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently so. I'm trying to think of every crappy Air Force One-style movie I've ever seen. Um, I know, right? 
I'm torn between the Secretary of State and the uh, Speaker of the House. What uh, what lifelines do I have left? You have asked the chat room left. Would you like to ask the chat room? Yes. Why not? All right. Chat room. In the chat room now, please give your best answer to this. Who is the president's successor if the vice president and the president are taken out? The secretary of state, the attorney general, the senate, or the speaker of the house? Chat room, go ahead. You have about 20 seconds to answer. Okay, I see um, two speakers coming in. Didn't ex- did not expect that. Three, four speakers. Okay, you know what? I'm glad you didn't ask the host on this Five speakers. Because <laughs> I don't think I would have said speaker. The speaker? Really? Really? Speaker. Got to go with the speaker. Oh, yeah? You ready? You want to do it? Final answer? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Thank you, chat room. Look at them. Yeah. All right. Submitting that to the computer. Computer, is it the uh, the speaker of the house? Do I get to keep my America badge? Oh, you got it! Oh. You got it! <laughs> you got it. Oh, that was close. That was <laughs> Thank you, chat room. <laughs> okay, you're out of lifelines now. Oh, but for $250,000, what type of law protects works of authorship, whether published or unpublished? Copyright, patent, passport, or trademark? So it's projects that are either published or unpublished, and it's a law that protects works of authorship. Copyright, patent, passport, or trademark? I don't know. Uh, I feel like it's going to be either copyright or trademark. Yeah, although it could be patent too, right? It could be patent. I think think it's safe to say it's not passport. Not that I'm trying to help, but... (laughs) Well, copyright... Yeah. All right, I'm going to go with some... Some solid reasoning here and go with with, uh, a patent. So, option B, please. B? All right. You ready to... You want to lock that in? Uh, Yes. Final answer. Oh! I'm sorry. Oh, it's copyright, isn't it? It was copyright, yes. Oh, dang it. Actually, that's not so bad, though, Alex. You're walking away with $32,000. What do you say we consult with uh, the giver of the keys, Jill, and see if she's cool with giving away a game for a $32,000 win? What say you, Jill? You have the final call on that one. Yeah, of course. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. (laughs) There you go, Alex. We gave away two games. Thank you, Jill. Thank you for doing that. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Congratulations, Max. Two games feels good, doesn't it? That felt really good. We're playing some more from the Joe Jacksons on our way out of here today, aren't we, Cheesy? Yeah, yeah. We're going to do another track from them. Uh, This one is titled, Oh Lord, No More. And it's on the same album as It's a Sin, which was released this year, in fact. So check them out, and there will be a link in the show notes, and go give them some love. Oh, yeah. We'll toss a link in that show notes. Check it out. The Joe Jacksons. Like I mentioned just a bit ago, we are not here next week because I'll be out, but then the Friday stream returns. Catch up on the back catalog at fridaystream.com. Always appreciate that, Mike. Thanks for making it, man. Congratulations on the million dollars. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed myself. And this time, I think we'll leave it in the show. Well, you know. Just because you made a million dollars. I don't expect it. It's fine. (laughs) All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Friday stream. We'll see you back here in two weeks.